A woman was being tailgated by a stressed out man on a busy street, and suddenly the traffic light in, her, in front of her turned yellow, and so she did the safe thing, and she came to a stop before the crosswalk, even though she might have beaten the red light by uh, accelerating through the intersection. Well, the man tailgating behind her hit the roof and hit his horn. He was so agitated that he hadn't made it uh, through the intersection. And he began screaming out his window in frustration that he had missed his chance to make it through. Uh, and so it's still in the middle of this mid-rant uh, tap on his window. And he turned beside him to see there, there was a stern-looking policeman looking in his window. The officer ordered him to exit his car and with his hands up. And he was searched and handcuffed and put into the back of the police cruiser. For almost 30 minutes of talking on his radio and looking on his uh, in-car computer, the officer finally let the man out and released him with this apology. He said, I'm sorry for my mistake, sir. I pulled you over while you were blowing your horn and flipping off that lady in front of you, cussing a blue streak, and, and I noticed the what would Jesus do sticker on your car. <laughs> I noticed the honk if you love Jesus license plate holder. I noticed the chrome fish on the back of your trunk, and I thought to myself, surely he's stolen that car. <laughs> you ever had a moment where you just wish you could take back your response? Yeah. Of course you have. We all, we all have, right? We've all had moments where we could wish we could take back what we said or how we reacted, and, and we've all had reactions that like, have surprised people or maybe even surprised ourselves, right? It's like one of those, where did that come from moment, right? You ever had that, that like, you look at your own life, you're like, where did that come from? What crevice inside of me did that crawl out of, right? Like, where did that come from? You know, at the same time, we've likely encountered moments, too, where we've been surprised by someone's reaction uh, for the positive, right? We sometimes are surprised negatively and sometimes positively. Uh, I remember this time when I was about 17 years old and I was uh, driving our uh, youth group. I was part of a youth group and uh, I was driving my friend's parents' car. And in the car, I had uh, six of other guys with me, and I was driving the guys of the youth group, and the, uh, the girls were driving in the youth pastor's car. And, and so we were driving down this country road that had just been freshly graveled. And on this road, as an inexperienced driver in this car that I wasn't familiar with, uh, I was going a little too fast on the loose gravel, and the car began to fishtail on the, on the gravel. And, and you know, doing what I, I knew to do, I, I steered into the, the skid as best as possible, but the car just kept fishtailing. And, and as it came, what it did, it basically, we were headed in this direction on this side of the road, and it spun around, I guess it's 180 degrees, and we were facing this way on this side of the road. And it came to a stop. And I thought, oh, you know, my heart's racing. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, we were on the edge of a steep embankment. And all of a sudden, the car did this. Right into the ditch on its roof. The windshield's broken. And, and we're just hang I'm just hanging there for a moment. And I think, wow, this is like almost surreal. And I, I was kind of hanging. I got my seatbelt on. And then I just did what I naturally would do to get out of the car. I undid my seatbelt. Bunk, you know, and I fell and I forgot I was upside down, you know, fell and we crawled out of the car and, and you know, luckily it was, had been a slow uh, rollover. We were safe and sound, but I was so shaken up and, you know, I'd almost taken out all the men of our youth group, right? We had a small youth group all the time. They, all the girls came over, they were crying, they're like, oh, we almost lost the men, you know? <laughs> 
Imagine a youth group with no men. I don't know. They, no, no, no one to date. I don't know what it was. But, but as I sat there, I vowed to myself, I am never going to drive again. Have you ever had one of those moments? Right at that moment, I look at this car upside down in the ditch and my friends crawling out of it, uh, my brother and, and the, my youth pastor and the girls coming over, they're all crying. Can't believe that they've just witnessed this. Never driving again. Well, my parents picked me up and they took me home and, and uh, it was a little while later before my friend's parents arrived home <coughs> and saw their uh, damaged car and, and I was just dreading having this conversation with them. I, I was just dreading coming face to, I was, I was so angry and so mad at myself and I could just imagine how angry and upset they would be with me that I had wrecked their car and, and at, they, they called me at my house and as I timidly answered their phone, their surprise uh, their, their, um, their reaction or their response surprised me. Instead of anger or yelling or, uh, or aggression, they simply asked, how are you doing? How, we are so glad that you're safe. They, they assured me that the car was a material possession that could be fixed and that they were just glad that we had all made it safely. You know, I expected anger and blame and, and animosity, any of those kinds of things, resentment, but instead they responded to me with gentleness. I remember as a young teenage boy that that response has stood out to me even to this day. That in this moment of seeing something that was of such value to them, but, and he said they treated me with gentleness. You know, life with all its circumstances and interactions with other people has a way of squeezing us, doesn't it? We are squeezed constantly in a way that uh, and, and it can lead to some pretty surprising reactions sometimes when we're squeezed, right? And both positive and negatively. When life squeezes you, what comes out? When life squeezes you, what comes out? That's not hypothetical. Like, ask yourself, when, when I'm squeezed, what comes out of me? You know, if you, asked the per if you came with the person beside you, they could probably tell you. <laughs> that would be some good lunchtime conversation. You could save it for that. Right? How do you respond when someone cuts you off in traffic? Right? How, how do you respond when someone says something so hurtful and inappropriate to you? Right? How do you respond? Often we get angry or we, up we get upset. We feel hurt and we react and we blame that person for making us feel this way and causing us to react in the way that we did. But the truth is this, that no one can make us feel or react the way that we do. What comes out of us when we're squeezed is what's inside of us, for being truthful and honest. What comes out of us when we're squeezed is what was already inside of us. You can say that someone's made me angry, but it's really that you had anger inside of you. Right? You can say someone's made me jealous, but it's because you already had jealousy in your heart. What comes out when life squeezes you is what is within you. Now here's the thing, it, it's experiencing the whole realm of human emotion. It's healthy for us to experience the whole realm of human emotion. We need to, uh, if, if, if you're not experiencing an, uh, human emotion, that, that causes other problems. Right? So it's not that experiencing emotion is bad, but the challenge is what we do with those emotions. We are in charge of our emotions, and we have the power to control them. How we proceed when we're provoked is our responsibility and no one else's. Right? 
So how do we do this? How do we learn to master our emotions? It's really about becoming aware of what's happening inside of us and taking responsibility for the way that we feel. It's about letting our character control our conduct and not letting our emotions dictate our response. Let me say that again. It's about letting your character control your conduct and not letting your emotions dictate your response. Well, there's a buzzword that I'm sure you've heard uh, a lot lately, and it's the word mindfulness. Mindfulness is, is simply the slowing down and intentionally being aware of what's going on around us and within us. And, and you know, it's, it's about being aware so that we don't become overwhelmed or reactive to life's circumstances. Mindfulness, it's such a buzzword, but really mindfulness is the Lord's idea. Scripture tells us often that we need to be mindful of what's going on in our thoughts and our emotions and in our responses. Philippians 4 says this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Be mindful about what's going on in your heart and in your mind. Psalm 19 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, scripture is actually teaching us not just to be mindful of what's going on, but to ask this question, what's leading me in this moment? What's leading me in this moment? What, what is, how do I gauge my thoughts and emotions and feelings? It's by asking, what's leading me in this moment? Am I being led by the inputs of other people? Am I reacting to how other people are engaging me? Is that, is that what's leading me? Or, or am I being led by my own feelings and my own emotions? Am I responding to my own desires uh, the Bible says that we should be asking, how is God influencing my response in this moment? Galatians 5, where we've been camped out this summer, uh, talks about this in this way. Galatians 5, 16. We've read this a few times this summer already. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are consistently fighting each other. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So what we've been talking about throughout the summer in our Juicy Fruit series is not the idea that we have to try harder to become better people. But what we've, seen, what we've really seen is that's not what Scripture is prescribing. That's not the answer. What we see here is that it's actually not humanly possible for us to produce the kind of fruit that God wants to do in our lives. This is a Holy Spirit-generated fruit. This is the surprising fruit that shows up when you're like, where did that come from? That goodness coming out of me isn't me. That's the Spirit of God uh, work inside of me. How do we know that there's always an outward expression of God's inward working, right? When people look at you and go, there's something different about you, it's because there's an outward expression of what God is doing in your heart and in your life. See, the fruit of the Spirit only comes by allowing the Spirit of God to apply the Word of God in order to make us more like the Son of God. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. In verse 25, it says, 
Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So if you've been tracking with us, uh, you'll know that this is week eight. It was our second last week of our Juicy Fruit series. You know, I know everyone's going back to summer. I, I, some of you cheered when we were at the end of summer's here. You know, you're like, oh, fall, sweaters, pumpkin spice latte, you know? I'm like, it's not fall till September 21st, okay? I, I'm going to hold on as long as I can. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to preach our summer series next week too, okay? And, uh, and so we're going to keep going. Uh, but we have two more weeks to go. But if you're tracking, you'll know that our subject this week is gentleness. Gentle, yeah, yay. Someone said yay. Gentleness isn't a character quality that we usually think about aspiring to, right? Like no one drops their kids off on their first day of school and goes, uh, okay, honey, I, I want you to go out there and be gentle. Right? Like no one says that. Right? We drop our kids off and we're like, hey, I want you just to go out there and be confident. I, I want you to be bold and assertive. I, you need to speak up. You need to stand up for yourself. Right? You got to go out there and project confidence. Right? No one says, go out there and be gentle. Check out this. I was looking in the dictionary this week on the, the definition of gentleness. Merriam-Webster puts it this way. Mild. Docile. Do you say docile or docile? How do you say it? I say docile. Soft, delicate, tame. Who wants to be tame? Tame is lame, okay? These aren't character qualities that you put on your resume. Hey, I'm really good at being docile and timid and tame, right? Like, no one puts that on their resume. Think about it. Would you hire someone who put that on their resume? It's like the football team, and they were getting ready to recruit their next star player, and they are sitting down discussing what qualities and attributes they wanted in their next star player, and the assistant coach says, you know what, I think we need somebody who gets knocked down but gets right up again. And the head coach looked at him and said, no, we need the guy that knocked him down in the first place. <laughs> right? That's the kind of person that we're looking for. Now, Jesus didn't have any trouble with identifying himself with gentleness. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and then you'll find rest for your souls. You know, Jesus' listeners, uh, to Jesus' listeners, his teaching was always opposite of everything they'd heard and experienced before, you know, and, and it still runs counterintuitive to us today, right? Let, let me prove it to you. Finish this sentence. Nice guys finish, right? We know it, right? The gentle guy never gets ahead. But the strength that Jesus exhibited and modeled wasn't the strength found in muscles wasn't the strength found in aggressive behavior or in getting ahead in order uh, to get to the top. Jesus exhibited, exhibited humble strength and gentleness because his power wasn't self-serving. See, gentleness and humility is found in understanding that as children of God, we're made in the image of God and we operate by his power and provision for his purposes. When you and I came to the cross and we said, Jesus, take my life 
I surrender it to you. We are saying, Jesus, I'm giving up the control. I'm giving up uh, the rights to my life. Now I live for you. I live by your power and your provision for your purposes. Not living for ourselves anymore. Colossians 3 says this, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what? When I'm preaching, sometimes there's extra like bandwidth. It's like the, there's more room in my mind for just what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm just picturing here like, like naked Christians running around. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that we need to clothe ourselves. And I'm wondering how many of us don't clothe ourselves sometimes, right? We receive the grace and the forgiveness and the salvation. And yet the Bible says that we need to clothe ourselves with mercy, kindness, humility, that's just how my mind works. Just letting you in. That's well, like erase that off the video, off of YouTube, I guess. I don't know. But it continues. Make an allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Here's the thing. Submission to God ought to result in gentleness to each other. Submission, heavenward, results in gentleness outward because that's what God wants to do in us. See, the image of strength in our culture is wrapped up in bravado. It's about swagger. You know, it's about assertiveness. But the character of strength is so much different. It, it dispenses with all bravado. It dispenses with all swagger. And it is clothed in humility and gentleness. See, lost in our understanding of gentleness. I, I hate this dictionary definition. I want to write in this week and be like, you guys got it wrong. You know, Merriam-Webster. You need to change this. It's not mild and docile, soft, delicate, and tame because in the inherent meaning of gentleness is this subdued strength. It's about yielded strength. You know, when my kids were little, uh, they're a little too big to do this now, but when they were little, we used to love after dinner playing tickle tackle. And tickle tackle is they would tickle me and tackle me and I would let them push me to the floor and they would climb all over me. And, you know, as a young dad with, you know, no time to go to the gym, you start like just bench pressing your kids and like doing whatever you can to get fit, right? It's the best days of your life, right? Getting fit with your kids. And, and then they'd be sitting on your face with their diaper and you'd be like, honey, you know, this diaper needs to be changed, you know, all that fun stuff, right? But no one would accuse me of being weak for uh, not unloading my strength against them, right? No one would say that I was uh, weak. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to throw my weight in and to, to uh, use my strength in those wrestling matches. Like, I would have crushed them in those moments. Well, now my son's 12, and he's almost as tall as I am, and now it's changed, though. Before bedtime, he wants to box. And by box, he means, like, Dad, let me punch you as hard as I can, you know? <laughs> And they, you know, he'll ambush me. I'll come down the basement and they, boom, he'll be right there. I'm like, ah, oh, right? And I'm at the point now where I'm like, it used to be funny because he used to be weak. And I'd be like, ha, like hit me as hard as you want right here, buddy, right? And now I'm like, oh, go easy on me. Be gentle, right? Gentleness means that there is strength that is subdued, right? Didn't make me less strong to be gentle, Gentleness is having the power to do something but refraining from it for the benefit of someone else. See, I was thinking about that this week. You know, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. You know, to use knowledge appropriately is wisdom. I was thinking about that this week. Gentleness is the proper use of authority and power. 
It's the proper use. It's not that we're just pushovers. It's not that we're just timid, but we yield our strength and use it appropriately. We can be gently corrective to the people in our lives, but we don't assert our power or dominate them for our own purposes, but we use it for their benefit and good. Where's all the kids at this morning? All the kids, you've been so good in service today. Let me illustrate that to you, right? In my hand, I have some strength. You know, not as strong as your dad, I know, but, but I have some strength in my hand, right? And, and if I, you know, had no strength, if I said, you know what, I'm not going to use any strength whatsoever, I would put this cup in my hand, right? Oh, nuts, that wasn't supposed to happen. Can you get that for me? Hey, hey, can you get that for me, please? Thank you so much. Stay there, I might do it again. I will see, right? <laughs> But, right, but it's not about not using any strength. With no strength, right, I just am not able to do what I want to do, right? But the appropriate amount of strength, I can functionally hold this cup. Now, if I apply too much strength, right, oh, look at that. Pastor Jerry is so strong. Look at that. Ask your dad if he could do that at lunch today, right? right? But like, so it's this idea. It's not about not having strength and being weak, but it's not about using all our strength because that's inappropriate, but it's about the appropriate use of the strength that we have. That's what gentleness, are you taking a picture there? There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. You know, Jesus' listeners would have been really understanding of this idea of power under control. You know, they were familiar in this agrarian society of, of horses, right? Especially the war horses of the Roman army. You know, they would have been surrounded by the Roman army at all times and as they had come and conquered their land. And the Romans, they would go out and they would get these wild horses and they would begin to, to capture them. They begin to tame them. They would teach them to first take the bit and the bridle and they would begin to uh, make them more uh, uh, tame. <laughs> they would take these unruly horses and they begin to start the process of helping them learn to yield their strength and their power. They would teach them to accept the bit and the bridle and as soon as they would learn how to respond to the tug of the reins, they would get them trained to the point where they would just need like a nudge of the heel to get this massive beast going. And, and riders that had spent time with their horses for, for quite a while, even at that point, like even just a whisper from its rider would take the harnessed power of this animal and put it into motion. It's interesting in James 1.21 that this submissive animal, so strong and, and mighty, became submissive to the whisper of its master's voice. In James 1.21, as James talks about it this way, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. Like that horse receiving the bit and the bridle, the Bible talks about us humbly receiving the word of God that will uh, learn to direct our wild spirits and, and begin to use our strength for the purposes of God, that we begin to follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit and the whisper of our master. Gentleness doesn't mean stifled or spiritless or spineless. It means that the strength has been channeled to help us achieve our highest purpose. Jesus summarized our highest purpose in Matthew 22. He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, live for God and live for people. You know, I've been known to be fairly even-tempered. I know, hard to offend, slow to get angry. You know, really easygoing. That's kind of the reputation I had. And, and I thought I was that way 
until a couple years ago when anger started showing up in my life as kind of coinciding with the time that I had kids. <laughs> and there's something about having kids. I was talking to someone, it's like something just really reveals to you what's really going on in your heart. I did a funeral one time and the, the, the family got together and they said, you know what, I, I don't remember dad ever raising his voice to any of us. I thought, wow. Your dad must have been a saint, right? Either that or you guys have forgotten. I, I hope it's the latter, right? Like, kids, I'm sorry for all the times I've yelled at you. I, I hope one day you'll, you'll forget it and, and not realize that. Mom and dad, I'm sorry for all the times that I made you yell. Here's the thing. Gentleness is humility towards others. It's vital for our relationships, isn't it? In marriage, in parenting, as a leader or a boss, we need gentleness. Gentleness works on the schoolyard, on the job site, in traffic. A little while ago, I was out for dinner with a large group of people, and we were at a restaurant in a town far from where I lived. And uh, we were out, and, and it's just one of those nights. The restaurant was really busy, and our waitress was uh, overly extended, I think. And, and just was nothing was going quite right. Like, it's one of those nights where you're out for dinner, but, you know, we had to ask for more cutlery, and we had to ask for more ketchup, and we had to ask for refills of our drinks, right? It wasn't like the service was not the best, you know, really. And then to top it all off, there was something wrong with the oil in the fryer, and so half of us got our meal, and, and it just really tasted burnt, and so we had to, like, send it back, and the manager came out and realized that there had been something wrong with the uh, fryer. And, and, you know, all this time, you you know, I would have just been justified, right, to be frustrated, annoyed. You know, after all, I'm paying for this, right? It would have been easy to become demanding, and, and I'm not perfect to you by any means. I, I just admitted that to you, right? As I was talking to my family this week, I'm like, I'm preaching to myself this morning, right? Preaching to myself. But it would have been easy in that moment, but instead of getting loud or angry or demeaning or demanding, I thought, you know what, this waitress has probably had enough of that tonight. What I actually need to do is heap blessing on her. I need to heap grace and gratefulness. I need to encourage her. And how do you know that I'm so glad that I did? Because that night, even though we were far from where we lived and we were in a different city and, uh, you know, with a bunch of people, uh, the, the check came and, and as she brought the bill to our table and I was settling up uh, the bill, she looked at me and she goes, uh, you're a pastor, aren't you? She said, I've been to your church a couple times, but I have family that go there. How do you know in that moment, I'm so glad that I choose gentleness in that moment. Ephesians 4 says this, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. How do you know when the Bible says always? It means always, right? Turn to your neighbor and say that, it means always. It means always. Oh my goodness. How many are feeling the conviction already? All right, let's just have the altar call and we'll just all come forward right now. Because of your love. You know, I'm a words guy, and so I just was thinking this through. I just wanted to give you, I made an acronym on love this week, on how to be gentle because of our love. How do we be gentle with love? Love, L stands for lower your emotions and tone. I know we need to be low-key in dealing with other people. You know, the quickest way to de-escalate a situation is to lower your tone and the aggression. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects wrath, but harsh words make tempers 
Schler. Do you know research have discovered something, researchers have discovered something they call mirror neurons? Mirror neurons is when you are face to face with someone that your body uh, subconsciously programs you to mirror the reactions and the reflections of the person in front of you. Right, it's like when they're standing in front of you when they cross your arms, you cross your arms, right? When they yawn, you yawn. When they yell, you yell. It happens all the time, right? I see it in my own family. When my kids are yelling, I start yelling. And when I start yelling, they start yelling. It's amazing how this works. Lower your emotions and tone by, by choosing gentleness and patience. It's the quickest way to bring calm to the situation. How many know that we need less noise and more poise? There it is for you. That's what you're going to go with this week. Less noise and more poise. When your spouse is flying off the handle this week, you should say that to them. Less noise and more poise, please, right? That's sure to fix the argument, right? Right? It's going to be good. I, this is what I'm taking for me this week. Less noise and more... I, I'm making myself sound terrible. I don't yell at my kids every day. Lower your tone and your emotions. Be low-key. O says don't be offensive or don't be on the offensive. What I'm talking about here is First uh, Peter 3.8. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God's called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Don't be offensive, and don't be on the offensive. How many know that name calling and degrading are never appropriate? But also being in an argument, trying to score points or to win the battle means that you don't win in the end, you both lose. Don't be offensive or on the offensive. This is what God says. Pay them back with a blessing and then God will grant you his blessing. Bless them on his behalf and he'll take care of you. That's what God is saying here. Isn't that mind-blowing? Lower your emotions and tone. Don't be offensive or on the offensive. V is don't be a victim. This is, don't be easily offended. Some of us are so thin-skinned. We're so easily offended. Listen to what scripture says. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, oh, we already read this verse, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. So no naked Christians, right? Clothe yourselves. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So self-explanatory here. The Bible actually talks in other places that Jesus will actually hold it against us if we don't treat others with the same forgiveness and respect with what he's treated us. That's the parable of the unfaithful servant. It's convicting. Don't be easily offended, don't be a victim. Jesus, extend mercy. Or you could put it this way, pursue reconciliation, not retaliation. How can I pursue reconciliation and not retaliation in this moment that we find ourselves in? Galatians 6.1 says, brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. 
Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You know, whoever said that gentleness is docile and soft and delicate, obviously they never tried to live it out, have they? <laughs> right? It takes strength to act humbly. It takes strength to deal gently with others. It takes strength to exercise your power, not for your own advancement, but for the betterment of others. But you can do it. And Jesus can help if you'll let him. You know, Jesus knows a thing or two about walking in gentleness in the face of opposition. He knows something about harnessing his strength and using his power, not for his own advancement, but for the benefit of others, of humbly submitting himself to God and dealing gently with us. Hebrews 12 tells us to encourage ourselves by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. When you're finding it hard to be gentle, just think of our gentle savior, who had the power of the world and the strength of the world at his disposal, and yet he humbled himself. This morning, I just want to, where you are, would you just close your eyes for a minute? Just close your eyes and, and contemplate Jesus like the scripture encourages us. Consider Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling with submitting to his Father's will. He's wrestling, knowing where this is taking him, and yet he says, not my will, but yours be done. Picture Jesus unfairly arrested in that garden as the soldier showed up and as Peter flashed his sword and drew it to fight, Jesus said, put away your sword. That's not how we fight. I could call the legions of heaven's angels to come and defend me and yet I'm submitting myself in this moment. Consider Jesus standing before his accusers as they ranted and railed against him, his silence cut through louder than any sharp comment or defensive statement. Jesus was resigned that God was his vindicator. Consider Jesus persecuted as they provoked him. They spit in his face. They beat him with their fists and slapped him, tearing out his beard, and Jesus turned the other cheek. Consider Jesus on the cross, faced with the mockery of his murderers. Jesus gently responded with this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Gentleness is having the power to do something, but refraining from the benefit of someone else. Friends, the beneficiaries of Jesus' gentleness are you and I. You know why society runs on the fear of being vulnerable and the fear of being taken advantage of, asserting its power to try to get to the top, to try to get ahead. Jesus has secured a blessing for you and for me that no one can take from us. Matthew 5 says that God blesses those who are humble and gentle for they will inherit the whole earth. See, gentleness is rooted in the confidence 
that everything that really matters has already been cared for and that all that is left is to care for others. Gentleness says, I don't need to assert power. I don't need to oppose people. It's not that I'm a pushover. I speak the truth in love. I need the power to love people appropriately. But I don't need to flex. I don't need bravado. I don't need aggression. I need to point people to the one who's treated me with gentleness. And the way they'll know that we are God's children is by our love. Lowering our tone and our aggression. Not being offensive or on the offensive. Not being victims and extending mercy. Not looking for retaliation, but looking for reconciliation. Hallelujah, God, we thank you, God, that you laid your power down. That you are gentle and humble and you invite us to you so that we can find new life, new purpose. We can find restoration and freedom. You are our Lord, if there's anyone in this room this morning who hasn't yet given their hearts to you, I pray today, Lord, that this would be the day. God, that they wouldn't feel condemnation. They wouldn't feel the weight of guilt, but I pray they would feel conviction. That they would feel that driving to you, Holy Spirit, that drawing to you, that winsomeness of our God who loves us. If there's anyone here today and you would say, you know, Pastor Jira, I need Jesus in my life. I need a change, I need a transformation, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I need to repent of my sin, I need to turn from leading myself. Today you'd say, that's me, would you just raise your hand real quick, I could pray with you if you're making that decision today. Today's the best day to make that decision. Yeah, thank you so much, that's amazing, incredible. Anybody else this morning say that's me? Yeah, praise God, yeah, all across this room, people raising their hands. How many would join them and say, you know what, I've given my life to Jesus, but I need some work in gentleness. I need the fruit of the Spirit. I just need today, you know, maybe less noise and more poise, whatever it is you're taking from today, right? How many know as we go into this world, as your kids, as you go to school this week, you know, you're going to be different because you're going to have the gentleness of Jesus in your life. Parents, as you deal with your kids, you're going to be different because you're going to be applying this message to your life right alongside of me. Jesus, I pray today for those that have raised their hands and said, Lord, I need a fresh start. Come and heal me of my brokenness. Come and release me and forgive me of my sin. How many, not just to turn over a new leaf, how many become a new person, a new person, a born again person into the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, we join with those that have raised their hands in making that decision today. And Lord, the rest of us, Lord, apply this word to our lives, we pray so that people will know that we are your followers by how we react, how we treat them. Lord God, it's not gonna be easy, but when those moments and opportunities come this week, Lord, we're gonna have a moment in our heart where your spirit's gonna convict us, and then we're gonna have an opportunity to change. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all you do in us, we pray. In Jesus' name.